0: Welcome to today's edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I am interviewing Sean Boyle. We are going to talk to you about digital marketing. This one's going to be exciting. I've been looking forward to this. It's a bit of a change from uh, my normal real estate talks, but it's still part of my podcast. Because remember, I'm entrepreneurship, leadership, and real estate investing. So let's bring in Sean. Sean, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for having me, man. Absolute pleasure. I mean, what an exciting moment, what an exciting time we're in. I mean, today's the first day they brought out this vaccine passport. Yeah. i'm not sure what to expect. I went to uh for breakfast this morning, and pretty much it was ghost town. People come in, they would ask for the vaccine, it would turn out, walk out.
1: Yeah. So it was kind of like Philadelphia. I was walking into a bar, and I'll tell you a funny story for your listeners. I was with some of my Russian clients. You know, they have like all these kind of fake passports and fake vaccine cards. One of my one friends, cause I didn't have my vaccine card at the time. He's like, you know, take this. He went to the bathroom. So I was able to check myself in and then he came to the bathroom. We're like, weren't there three people or four people here instead of three? We're like, nah, you're good. You're probably just drunk. But it was so funny. <laughs> we were able to bypass that. And it's crazy, man. I mean, you know, I don't want to talk too political but it's one of these things where you know, it, it, to require the vaccine card, it's a little much in my opinion, you know?
0: Yeah, like it's one of those things. I understand the concept, but I think sometimes concepts and uh, reality aren't always the, on the same page.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's pretty pathetic that, you know, small businesses are, are requiring this because to be honest, if we weren't able to be in, we racked up like a $500, maybe even $1,000 tab. That's a grand of revenue that that small business is probably banking on to make rent, make repairs, pay their employees. And for me, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, you're turning away a lot of business and a lot of money that you so desperately need to enforce this vaccine. And, and the whole BS mask mandate, like you have these plastic shields from table to table, like that's going to stop anything. So it's, it's really backwards, man. I agree with you.
0: Sorry, i'm just adjusting the clarity eh, whatever um so yeah i know i agree with you man like, it's just anyways it is what it is i think it's yep. going to be interesting we're going to see what's going to come out of it but regardless i mean we're going to get into marketing why don't we start off by giving us your uh background like your whole story of you know who you
1: are what you do and why you do it yeah man absolute pleasure so uh, my HQ is in Philadelphia. I run a couple different companies, one being Momentum 360 that probably eats up the most of my time. We do small business property marketing all across the nation. We actually have 50 locations in all 50 states. And then we're working on the European and Asian markets to date. So we have about 1,500 photographers at our disposal that we can say, hey, you know, we need a virtual tour here. We need some drone photography here etc so that's a really big piece of my time which i love to do like i don't even consider it work to be honest with you john and then that parlays into real estate investing investing primarily for me um if you know chris crone he's a a hugely successful residential uh, investor and i'm really trying to mimic his way of investing just with small uh family or single family homes house hacking and gradually building up into these large apartment buildings with Dolph the Roos, which he's the commercial guy, he's, you know, a billionaire and he, uh, I think owns like you know, 50 to hundred huge uh, apartment buildings. So that's my one thing. And then on the side, I run, I'm a partner in this app, which I can't talk about much because we're not, uh, you know free to talk about it yet, but, um, it's going to be a very exciting app and, uh, it's based around photography. That's all I can really say. So, those are um, all in my hands right now. Uh, and like I said, you know, we travel all across the nation. So really love making these connections and uh, seeing what we can do for everybody.
0: Absolutely, like that. So have you always done uh, like marketing? Has this always been your thing or did you start off somewhere else? Like, like did you It's go- so funny, man.
1: So when I was in college, I was at Penn State. I went to Penn State Altoona. I didn't go to actually Maine because one, I wanted to save a little bit of money. And two, my SAT scores were like so poor. I didn't even bother applying because I'm like, they're not going to take me. Like, you know, I don't want to waste the $200 application fee. I mean, that's how confident I was. I should have just sent it and, you know, see whatever happens, happens. But being able to go to Penn State Altoona, I was actually very lucky because I was able to do this major starting out called Electromechanical Engineering Technology, EMET. And that was a four year engineering degree that I thought I was going to do for the longest time. I wanted to be an engineer, but I really was doing it for the money. I wasn't doing it necessarily for the love and the passion day in and day out, because when I got into engineering, I'm like, wait a second. I'm first of all, not even that good at math. Second of all, physics is piss poor. Third, to be stuck in a cubicle working on the same project every single day and not having the flexibility, not having you know different variations, just having one concrete focus on this specific task. It was very mundane for me it's very boring quite frankly and as i started to venture out into these different niches and industries i really was questioning myself i'm like what am i going to do so i remember distinctly my roommate at the time zach came into my room and he's like yo you got to check out this guy gary v he has a lot of awesome content i'm like gary v i don't you mean gary b like gary busey from rookie there he's like no no no, gary v gary Vaynerchuk in, in new york city And I started to kind of check out some of his stuff, hopping on his Instagram page, his Twitter, you know, he's the social media king. And I was hooked. So that same day, I went to my uh, professor at the time, who was also my advisor, Irene Hurd. And I told her, I was like, listen, Irene, sweetheart, I need you to give me a list, a laundry list of digital marketing internships so I can apply. Fast forward, I now was an intern, I was a sales intern With uh, the company that I actually now own, Momentum at the time, I started as a sales intern, worked my way up. And from there, um, I mean, we were working on a lot of different projects from cryptocurrency events with the late John McAfee, working on other digital marketing clients um, in regards to pretty much any type of niche you can fathom across uh, the nation. And I was really just a pretty great salesman. Uh, getting all these acquisitions and uh, really just building a lot of connections and and networking. So as I started to incrementally grow and grow and grow, my partner, Mac, he offered me a position in the company and really said, you know, Sean, with 360, you seem to like photography. You seem to enjoy real estate. And for me, this was a no-brainer. I mean, we pretty much already knew I was going to take over this side of the company and grow it. But to see where we are now, man, um, for once not having 360 you know two years ago it's unbelievable right that makes
0: sense absolutely so yeah that, that makes sense i mean okay so your main focus is obviously real estate um or that's your main interest at least
1: yeah i mean for me it all ties into content and real estate so all three of the things that i mentioned momentum 360 real estate investing and then this app it all really revolves around content and real estate. And that's something that a lot of these people who I see, they're doing, you know, drop shipping, they're doing credit repair. And it's not necessarily combined. It's not something like where you can, you know, uh, it's conjoined together, which in my opinion, at least, I would want everything that I'm working on to revolve around one specific thing. Because if it's across different industries, you can't really connect the dots as much. So you might be getting lost, you might be getting you know, stuck in the mud, so to speak, and get to a point where you can't really grow because you're working on all, all these different niches and they don't necessarily add up. So for instance, my real estate investments, they, you know, help funnel deals to 360 and the 360 realtors I work with and the brokers, they help funnel into the investment. So that multi-tiered value play, I think is a good long-term strategy rather than doing all these other different things, you know, and it just, there's no conjunction, right? Right.
0: Right, that makes sense. I get that. So, where I was gonna go now? How long have you been in the business?
1: So, uh, for digital marketing, I've really been in the business for three years. When I was at Penn State, I was primarily doing you know my internship work and then sales director work. And then, you know, quite frankly, a year and a half ago, I took is it a year and a half ago? Yeah, it's it's a year and a half ago. That's insane. Um, I took equity in momentum and I've just been growing the 360 side of the business. And then this past year, I actually invested in my first uh, rental property. I now have two properties looking to get my third in November. So um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, you know, young gun, but um, now that I'm out of college and I can focus on all these kind of things, I am just, just going, you know, pedal to the metal, trying to uh, work as hard as I can to get all these passive investments and, and set myself up.
0: Right. Which makes sense. Totally get that. So, okay. So the reason I was asking is I wanted to see how, um, you know, how far back you went and what's changed from before and now kind of thing. Um, Like I used to, I used to be in marketing myself. And I mean, I was back in the, when uh, the biggest part of marketing was print and direct mail and stuff like that. Like I I was here before at the time where everyone thought the internet was going to crash. I was kind of one of them. So, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, kind of a big, Evolution since then and now, but even in the last three years, I think there's a lot of changes as well. And like, even from COVID, I I found COVID kind of changed things as well. But I want to hear your take on what was the industry like for you prior to COVID and what happened uh, once the pandemic started. John, what I'm about to
1: say is, and like a lot of people, they, they shame me for saying this, but COVID was the best thing to happen to me and the company, quite frankly. And let me tell you, why. I know that millions of people passed away, it's, it's a horrible thing, but primarily for the business side of things, 360 was just, it, it was booming, right? And, and what did it see? It's shown that virtual tours, whether you're a retail space, whether you're a commercial space, whether you're just a residential single-family home, the one that I invest in, that you need to sell, these things are required in today's market, and now, virtual reality is now at some sort of a normalcy. And we're still in the beginning stages of it. Like you do, like probably sure you've heard of Matterport, which is the biggest virtual tour provider. There's a lot of other ones that we use now. And in conjunction with, like I said, the investing in the digital marketing, it's to a point now where people, they need it. They understand it. It's almost to the point of HD photos where, you know, you need to get photos and you need to get a virtual tour, which, I mean, it's just insane. So during COVID, We there was something that I I really wanted to harp on, and that's growing the system that was actually physically growing and expanding. So last year, John, we were just in Philadelphia. We weren't in all these different markets where we are right now. So I spent a lot of that time vetting photographers, talking to people, building Google My Business Locations, which is, you know, we can get into that tangent, but that's really what I spent doing is creating all these SOPs so we can have this nationwide coverage because my phone, you know, all of my reps can tell you, you know, we're getting blown off the market. There's so many people calling us now that we're having trouble actually fulfilling their orders simply because there's just a lot of volume. I need to hire this person, hire that person. So we're at the point now where we're at such a large scale, we need to continuously build and, and you know make everything bigger and better. So, Before COVID, I mean, we were doing okay. We were, you know, I'd say going through the motions, but now it's really turned into a, uh, you know, something that I can call a very uh, successful business. I mean, we're still in the, I would say, small business frame. We're expanding so rapidly. I think our revenue from last year is up like 350%, like something astronomical like that. So if we continue those numbers, I mean, we're going to be, you know, hitting, you know, I, I, my thing is, I don't know if I want to go public, quite frankly, but it's something where, um, you know, we're definitely heading to that point. So it's it's very exciting.
0: Well, how many people do you have on staff now, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah. So we have about 35, 40 people, um, our core team. And then, like I said, we have like about, you know, 1500 photographers, uh, VAs, just overall contractors that we can bring in, you know, at any given time.
0: Which is awesome. Now, obviously, like you said, COVID was a growth point for you. Um, for me, surprisingly, when we first shut down, I thought, okay, what's going to happen now? Right? Like, I mean, because like literally, we literally shut down and people, oh, you, you could buy virtually, like you said. Um, and that was the only way we we're not, like, nobody was going to show houses or going to see it. Everyone was right. kind of scared. Um, and I thought to myself, nobody, nobody, or very, very few people. Are going to buy a house without actually going there to see it so then we kind of implemented something where you know you can go you put in your offer if it gets accepted then when you have the inspection then you could go see it but even that people were uh, like the feedback i was getting is that i'm not going to put an offer unless i know what i'm putting an offer on so i, I got resistance at the beginning and that was just something i observed now, so for me, I started thinking about how is this going to happen, right? Now, for us, that, that not doing it didn't last very long. Like, everything remained shut for a while, but we were able to get out and back to showing homes. It was tricky, but it was possible. Um, but there were some homes sold that without, you know, sight unseen, just virtual tour. So yeah. that was kind of interesting. And and it's like you said, like, for example, I use Matterport and... I would have never bothered with virtual before, you know, all this happened because people were going to go see it anyways. We had 40, 50 showings per listing. Like, do we really need it? You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. Now, since the pandemic, I, I find that when you do this virtual tour, it actually increases awareness. Like I do see a difference now. And yeah. I'm, so, yeah. So I do see what you were saying there. And, I like I said, 2020 was one of my best years. 2021 isn't bad either. Like it was good, but it, it'll be second to 2020. And um, yeah, like, but again, virtual tours, like you said, has become a fundamental part of the business now. So I, I, I can completely relate to everything you just said. And 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 I think I think that like let, let's face it, investors don't really need to see it if you're investing it and you're just gonna rent it. What do you care? You know what I mean you're gonna get it you're gonna you're gonna do your uh, your uh, renovation or whatever it is to get it up and running anyways like so you can rent it out for maximum dollars. So it kind of doesn't matter and I think that's who remained in the market during that closure was the investors because going there was less important and, yeah yeah, but virtual tours did make a difference. The number of views per listings definitely went up. And, um, yeah, even the number of inquiries, the uh, messages, everything sort of uh, got scaled. So I, I, I think you're right about that. And I think that's that's a great way to uh, get to the next level today.
1: It's insane because, first of all, never would I thought in a million years that you would simply go on a tour and be able to buy a house. That is happening a little bit more. But something that we have primarily pivoted in is saying no we're not taking away the physical tour per se we're just giving you a better way to view it online so you can make a more educated purchase i like to make the analogy a shotgun rather than a sniper so the shotgun it's where you have hd photos you have a video which you can't really control a video you're showing off all the good spots you're not showing the you know broken down backyard you're not showing the door that needs painted so that stuff if you're able to completely see a three-dimensional model of it with the dollhouse you can flip it around. In my mind, and a lot of others, you're saying, okay, this looks like an okay property. Let's go check it out. And then maybe even 10, 15 years from now, you're looking at properties that have virtual tours where you're able to, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the technology is going to be, it's advancing at such an accelerated pace. Who knows what we're going to do at this point? I mean, people are going to be buying 3D uh, you know, rendered houses pretty soon. So its it's unfathomable, the technology that we have at our fingertips. And it's just really exciting to talk about I mean, at the end of the day, it's just making it more accessible for people to go and invest and buy their first house or first condo. So for me, I am always about just making that accessibility work, Um, but I'm not more like, I don't wanna have that Elon Musk effect where it's like, you know, we're going too technological where we take the human side out of it. I don't want these robots to take over just yet. But uh, I, I think that it's, it's definitely something that's helping a lot of people. And um, I'm very, you know, glad to be able to be a small chunk of in that large conglomerate.
0: For sure. I mean, another advantage to it is that when you have these virtual tours, the amount of people, like, for example, when I get clients, they want to see like 30 houses. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, you're kind of going to get the gist of what you want within the first five, but it's always the fear of missing out. I found yeah. with the virtual tours, when you're bringing the Matterport, you get less people going there because of curiosity, because of what ifs. They kind of know what they want when they see the virtual tour, so it's more of just to uh, verify is the word I want. I don't is the word I can think of. It's almost so I want to see it in person to make sure what I see on, on camera is the same as what I see in person. And just to get a spatial recognition, right? So it's more yeah. verifying than it is about whether I like the house. So you get more quality leads that way. So that's yeah. one of the differences I found as well, which is great. Cause it's less driving around for maybes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So are you more so residential or are you uh, more commercial? A little bit of mix. I'm
0: a hundred percent residential, um, to get our license here. We have to learn commercial. I can legally sell commercial. But asking me to do commercials like telling me one plus one is three, right? You know what I mean? It, it just it makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, I I got the basics, so I can tell if someone's trying to make me be a fool, but I'm not somebody, you know. So if you need basics, I can answer, but I'm not the guy to roll and make your final decision with. So I just the way I look at it is if you don't believe in it or you don't understand it, don't touch it
1: yeah it's crazy i mean I, I if i am going to be an agent which hopefully knock on what i was actually studying like a couple of years ago and i just said screw it all i'll deal with this later uh my one tenant sean he is he's the man I, I love the guy and he's a commercial guy and he's i mean he does okay for himself but it's it's a completely different ball game it's it's very interesting to see the different you know levels of uh of difference there
0: oh 100 like let, let, let's let's even do a comparison right like you take a, a starbucks as an example Right. Um, you take a piece of land just say it's 50 by 100 just stupid example and you take a house there and that house is worth a million dollars now all of a sudden you take the you take out the house and put a starbucks there and it's now five million bucks it makes no friggin sense to me in fact right. the starbucks probably has less square footage right i mean like you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? like it's true you get into cap rates and possible income and then that affects the value we're yeah. residential what income i'm living there You know what I mean? So it's just weird. To me, it's weird. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. You want to sell your house for more? Convert it to a commercial property. Stick a Starbucks sign on
1: it and you'll get four times the value. (laughs) I should should make that a course. Just put a Starbucks thing. Now that's true though. I mean, if you can take something, be creative enough to then say, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to make it. Whether it's more apartment units or whether it's a Starbucks or a KFC or whatever retail store, that's what investors, that's ultimately what the bank wants to see, because if they can see your plan, they're going to be able to get you more financing and, and stuff like that. I've heard times like, and this is going back to Dolph De Roos, where he's had tenants in place for a specific uh, commercial space and the bank has given, they'll, they'll give him like 85% of the financing. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I've never done a commercial deal in my life, but just having paid, you know, 20% down for this second residential place. It's a lot of money. So I can't imagine like 20% for you know a $50 million commercial space. I mean, that's insane. It's it's a huge amount of money. So you definitely need to leverage your creativity in order to get as much financing. So putting you know as little money down as possible.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And that's the other thing. Here in Canada, it's more than 20% for commercial. You can do, you know, five, 10, 15, 20% depending for residential. The minute you get into commercial, they won't finance you with 20%. It's
1: like 50 or something.
0: It could vary i mean 50 is usually the normal the the number i hear most often but i've heard of i've heard of it being 40 or 35 but yeah. you know what i mean like it's it's very tricky right like it's one of those things a lot harder so imagine like you said you got a 30 million dollar property they want 40 percent hello <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um obviously uh i'm not that adverse into uh into uh commercial so I can't get into specifics. Obviously, I've never done the deal, but it is very, very um, interesting to say the least. Yeah. So, um, the kind of commercial property I do like and I do understand, but it's similar to uh, residential and it's multiplexes. Like when you get apartment buildings with 320 units, I I don't understand why I can get that and I can't get a store. But I mean, because reality is the math is really the same. Yeah. But for whatever reason I can justify that one in my head, but I can't justify the store. We're just we're not all meant to do everything.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's that's something too, uh, you know, hand raised. I, I wish I, you know, was learning a little bit more because like I said earlier, the goal right now is just to acquire these single family homes to make a certain amount of passive income and then start to gradually have enough lump sum where I can then say, okay, I have a tenant for this large commercial space, put that lump sum into the down payment. And then just continually use that commercial space because, you know, in my mind, and this may sound, you know, kind of different from the seasoned investor, but I am buying new commercial and renovated places at, I would say, you know, like a little bit below fair value price like in between that, not above, but definitely, you know, either below or at the medium simply because, you know, I might be not garnering as much equity as I can by buying way below and then fixing it up. But in my mind, I would much rather have not to pay you know a repair fee or something crazy like that because I know it's gonna be fine for the most part. Like for instance, the first property I bought, it has a 10-year tax abatement, one-year builder's warranty, and then this third property to look at, getting that I'm actually gonna FHA, so three and a half percent down. I'm gonna then live there with two people living with me. So I'm not only gonna have my mortgage paid, live for free, I'm gonna cash flow as well. And then God forbid, let's say you know, the roof caves in or something crazy. I then have that one year warranty to say, hey, listen, this is no money. There you go. Just cash it in. You have that golden ticket and, and you're good to go. So that's for me what works. Um, but I know a lot of people like, for instance, one of my mentors, Doug Depp, he's in Philadelphia as well. And he cautions that he's like, no, you want to buy a lot, put some good money down. And, and, you know, the after value repair is just, you know, it's it's five six times and you have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity and you have a new place as well that's not the route i want to take maybe when i have a little bit more experience we'll go that route but not right now
0: yeah like myself i believe if it's possible to be done i don't like investing in one door if i, I am mean, now let's be clear if your option is invest in one door or hold your money in the bank and save for later buy the damn door you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> because you can never save more than inflation or appreciation it's just not going to happen you can't save your way to riches and if you have a hundred thousand dollars now and you only qualify just say with that with for five hundred thousand that five hundred thousand dollar house that you want to buy today by the time you get your 150 is going to be worth seven hundred thousand, and now you no longer qualify even with the extra 50k so you're better off to buy one door today than to wait and try to buy something later yeah. So I was getting the market. doesn't matter how you get in the market as long as you get in the market. But yeah. if you have the opportunity, I would rather get into multiple doors. And I'm not saying you need to get into 20 doors or 30 doors or whatever. Like even something like a, a single family residential, like a bungalow. You get a bungalow that has a separate entrance downstairs and upstairs. Now you're collecting two rents. And I and I would much rather do that than to do a two-story home that you have only one income from. Yeah. Because right? I look at it and say, what happens when people stop paying their rent? Right. Like the, the likelihood of upstairs and downstairs not paying rent is minimal. It's unlikely that both people are going to have a crisis at the same time. Yeah. Because generally people want to pay their bills. It's not like they're malicious. Most people. Yeah. You can look at the percentage. I think maybe 3% are ma- malicious. 97% want to pay their bills. Just yeah. sometimes things happen in life and they can't. Exactly. So if you have one door, And you're collecting two thousand dollars and they can't pay is what you get Mm -hmm. but if you have up and down even if upstairs is 1500 and just say downstairs is a thousand and say upstairs can't pay their bill your mortgage is still the same 2000 you at least have half the mortgage paid it's not the full burden on you yeah that's just my thought and that's my reason why i don't like to invest in you know one door I, I look at it and say, if I have to invest, I'd rather invest in two doors. And the difference in a in a bungalow in a two-story is very minimal. So yeah. more than
1: likely you can do it and and that's a good thought process too, because I have the same mindset when I buy single family homes. I'm not just putting in a couple. I'm not putting in you know like one specific family. it's I'm renting out the individuals so those rooms now become quote unquote units. I'll give you a perfect example. I had the first property on mortgages, let's just say it's fifteen hundred um our guy in the basement was paying like 800 and then we had two people who were paying like 750 so what is that like 2300 years oh yeah 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 that's right so we're making pretty good cash on that the guy in the basement he was dipping out and you know he wasn't paying and i actually evicted him uh, yesterday he actually left and i'm living with him right i'm he's in the basement i'm on the third floor so it can get a little awkward there but it's the same kind of thought process: as okay everything's just under one door but you have all these individual people like you said you know god forbid if you're renting up to a couple and you're not paying then you're going to be left with that full burden but having the ability to house hack or own you know duplex triplex or like you said a bungalow which is a great idea that's going to minimize your risk a little bit more. And then, you know, the thing with me right now is setting up, you know, a solid property management system. So I'm not the landlord, and you, know, you take all, all the, all the grievances of being a landlord away. Which there are, there are some. But I, I will tell you, in the short time that I've been a landlord, it's been very fulfilling to say, okay, I'm able to have a beautiful property and able to, you know, give this person a place to live and, and make it clean. So it's just a great. You know, uh, thing, and that's why I love real estate because there's obviously tax benefits as passive income, but it's just a fundamental way of like having a roof over your head, and, and you know, if you're a half decent person, people are are going to take care of you.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you there, and that's and that's the other thing, right? Like a lot of times people say, "My biggest investment is my home." Well, you're. I look at that and say, "Your biggest debt is your home." Yeah. because you're not getting any income from that. Right? Like an investment is something that has a return. Now I agree sometimes returns have a negative return. It's not always positive, but it has some form of a return. The house you live in comes with property taxes. It comes with uh utilities, comes with a mortgage payment and zero coming in. So I don't th- look at it, uh, the home you live in as your investment property. I look at that as home. Yeah. Yeah and I think people get very emotional when it comes to houses. I a lot of times I think that like what I would do given the opportunity if I like when I buy a bungalow I like my next purchase is going to be a bungalow I'll probably live in the basement and rent upstairs. Why? Because I could live downstairs cuz downstairs will get the the lower amount of rent and I can rent upstairs for a higher amount. So even though I have a home, I have a place to sleep still, and I'm making money off of that versus spending money. So exactly. I think that's a better way. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm in a two-story now, right? But it's one of those things, right? So that's what I have. But this is my expense. This is not my income. If I rent this out, it'll become my income. But in the meantime, it's an expense.
1: Yeah. So that, and that's that's how people have to think, you know. Like I, I just turned 24 in july and i just want to live very frugally there's a good thing that chris crone says is a lot of people like you said john that want to save to be a millionaire or save to be wealthy that's never going to happen it's never happened in the history of wealth but you need to have that mentality of saving and then have that mentality of investing of being obsessed with investing you know saving you know if you can save 30 to 35 even 40 percent of your money and then invest that in whatever stocks crypto or whatever just something at least until you can garner a down payment, put it down for real estate, and just get your whole situation uh, set up that way. I mean, but not a lot of people want to think like that. A lot of people, you know, like my age, they want to go and, you know, flex on Instagram. They want to go buy, you know, the crazy Rolex, the, you know, crazy car. And it's just, you know, you can do that stuff when you have the money, when you have that that passive income, when you have the the systems already set up. But when you're just starting out and you're making a little bit of money, you know, you need to have a little bit of restraint. And this is something that I uh, needed to work on as well because when I saw a little bit of money coming in, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be able to be you know financially free," and that wasn't the case at all. And um, it's a rude awakening because you get to see, "Oh, this is only going to last a certain period of time until you know we have." this amount of assets, this amount of money coming in. And it's just, you need to be, you know, very, very, uh, very careful of, of how you spend everything. And uh, that's something that for me, I definitely needed to learn uh, firsthand and I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know what? That's awesome. I mean, it's great that you learned the lessons so early on, right? Like I'm actually impressed with this. Like I'm impressed. I mean, there's not many people at your age that have learned this and, and have followed this sometimes people preach because they see it on instagram or they see it on twitter or whatever and they just repeat what they see yeah but they don't actually practice it so you're actually practicing what you preach so to me that gives you a lot of credibility it's not you're not just saying
1: it you're doing it yeah and in my mind this is such a cliche phrase but actions are so much more powerful than words like that's why I, i'm not sure like i might have like a social media following or whatever but i i because i thought That's what I needed. I thought I needed to get this amount of followers and have this crazy following, but it's like, for me, I'm a very private guy as it is. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the type of person to be, you know, showboating and stuff like this. Um, And my friends know me as that person as well. Like I like to stay very reserved, very humble. Um, And that's just how I want to carry myself. Like it's just a whole legacy play to me. If I can say, okay, 24 year old Sean, how do I want to live my life throughout to when I'm 60, you know, and, and I'll be retired far earlier than that but when everybody else is retiring how am i going to be viewed not necessarily that i i care but more so my impact like was i able to to have a legacy where i can impact this people and be like you know sean Boyle? he was a half decent person he knew what he was talking about and he generally wanted to help and this is when i can you know create developments for people i can create courses for people to go and help invest in a whole other array of assets themselves so you know, whether it's cryptocurrency or whatever, because I also believe in that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I, 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 quite frankly, John, I'm not the type of person to, to like I said, brag. And, you know, I, I don't care. I don't care if, if you don't like me, if you like me, that's great. You know, but it's not something that I'm constantly worried, oh, what's my image? You know, am I viewed this way, that way? I could care less, man. You know, I'm living my life. I'm happy. I have a beautiful family. I have beautiful friends, a great company with great, you know, team members. So, I have all that I need, man. Um, There's not much to worry about in my life.
0: There we go. That's two things I heard. And and two things I heard from you right there. One, gratitude. Right? One is gratitude. And then the second thing is... Oh, I lost the second thing. Well, I heard gratitude and I heard um, basically impact, which basically you brought up something here. I, I think it's better to have, as an example, 200 Instagram followers that are engaged with you and everything you do brings them value and impact over having 10 or 20 or 30 or 100,000 people that you don't engage with any of them and has no value other than show off. Yep. Right. So, and and that that goes even to digital marketing, right? Like having 10,000 people, but nobody cares will bring zero, where if you bring value and you impact 100 to 200 people, you're gonna have 100 to 200 people that are, that are gonna go out there and be your ambassadors. And I think that will drive more traffic
1: than sheer volume. Yeah, and it's it's so true, man. I mean, it's the source of the information and the content that you're putting out. You know, you might have the loudest mouth, you might, you know, be this, be that, but if you're, like you said, not putting out this, this value that, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, is going to produce action in that person's life. Like you said, it doesn't matter if we're dealing with 200 followers or you know 10,000 followers. You need to have that core fundamental content, and it's it's so valuable. And a lot of people they like to put all these you know bits of information out there to catch these flashy headlines, but it's not necessarily putting information. It's more so just like talking about nothing. And I mean, people are smart. People the the average person's EQ is so much smarter than what it was you know, before the iPhone age, before the age where we're able to do these beautiful zoom podcasts and stuff like this. So now that we're caught up to that, our BS meter is so high right now we could say ding, 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 you know, what Sean's talking about. It's not, it's not uh, you know, on cue, but this other guy, John, he's preaching a lot of awesome stuff and we're going to go and follow him because he gets right to the point. He has actionable strategies and every single time he posts it's interesting stuff. And that's going to start to garner uh, more of an audience because you know, you have the two-tier t- uh, philosophy. You buy, you know, ten thousand followers, and you're producing crap content, or you focus on the content, and then you start from scratch. And obviously, person B is going to be more successful in the long term. So, yeah,
0: you're right. Absolutely. I, you know, it's <laughs> quality over quantity. Yeah. Any day now, someone gets into business now, right? Obviously, like obviously, they got to be on social. That, that's clearly, but like personal branding is where i'm going this is personal branding yeah. i mean aside from the fact that it's this buzzword right now let's be honest everybody you know i'm building my personal brand right like that's just this big buzzword but th- there is some truth behind that um beyond the buzzword so someone's starting out what would you suggest they do to start out <laughs>
1: So the first thing that I would recommend, you know, if you're trying to do anything is you need to hone in on your audience and your niche, right? So what does that mean? That means like for me, for instance, you know, when I found digital marketing, you know, and when I found momentum 360, that was the the target that I want to do. We do virtual tours for properties and small businesses. That's what we do. So I'm going to make videos around that. I'm going to make certain content pieces. So what does that entail? It really includes three things that uh, are all free honestly there's a free tactic so go and use them as you want the first is creating a Google my business so if you guys don't know what a Google my Business is is a free social media profile on Google so for instance if you guys were to type in momentum 360 right now you would probably see momentum 360 at the top in your designated area a couple five-star reviews And essentially you can go through to our website, you can check out some of the pieces that we've made in that area, whether it's like, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, or whatever, LA or Boston. I mean, like I said, we're all in all 50 states. Um, And you're able to constantly update that profile, get reviews, get testimonials, post content on there. And as you start to do that more and more, you're gonna notice that your keyword rankings are also gonna increase as well, because as you know, or maybe you don't, if you were to Google something, let's just say, pizza in New York city, right? Very common keyword. I'm sure it's a million key, you know, million search volume per month, right? It's very common keyword. You're gonna have that snack pack, that map pack, I like to say of that three businesses or or restaurants or whatever, where you can see, okay, this person has a 4.9 out of five, 4.7, 4.5. And they have, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of reviews for their pizza. You wanna be in that top three because 99% of all searches on the first page and 90% of all Google searches are on the first page. So 99% of those searches will go to those three in the snack pack. So make the Google my business is very simple. You just go to business.google.com and you're going to be able to do that as well it doesn't even matter if you have a business or you're just a personal brand you're an individual we do it for real estate agents all the time so it's a very impactful thing the second thing is making a youtube channel which is in conjunction with the google my business because obviously google and youtube now so making weekly videos and there's a beautiful software called loom l-o-o-m.com where you can do screen recordings like this on your laptop post it on google You can get an editor on Fiverr for like $5 a video, make some catchy, you know, awesome stuff. But if your content's good, you're going to start to corner followers. You want to obviously get to a certain point where you're known as an authority figure and people are going to start coming to you for uh, said business and then the third that i would recommend which i mean if you don't have this by now you're you know still in dinosaur age but it's a website and it's not only a website but an seo optimized website and this is something that takes a long time to do but there's actually a checklist that i'd be happy to send to your audience after that you could post below that kind of runs through okay am i optimizing my pages correctly what's our speed look like you know what are we doing to Um, work on uh, like all these technical aspects of SEO, which is very, very important, you know, because a lot of uh, times when we deal with clients' websites, it might look nice, aesthetically it might be beautiful, but if it's not technically optimized with these certain assets, then it's not gonna rank and you're not gonna get new business. If I type in pizza in New York, you know, John's pizza isn't gonna come up, right? That's the thing. And I know you're in Canada, but if you're in Canada, you're, you're still on a, <laughs> you get ranked right from that high too. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's just one of those things. So, um, Google, my business, YouTube and a website. Um, those are three things that are, are just fundamental right now. And it's very, very simple. You probably have a website already, but Google, my business and YouTube, those are uh, the two other things that I would definitely recommend.
0: Right, right. That makes sense. Um, that makes total sense. So yeah, exactly. Get a start somewhere. And, in terms of websites, right? I don't think, personally, they're the same as they used to be. I still think they're important. Don't have a website and you're like a who. But I think these days, websites are more, like they're used more as validation than just content generation. Yep. Right? I mean, I agree with you. YouTube, which when you, w- proven points here of what I was going to get at. Because YouTube is all video, obviously. Sure. So I think right now, video is the number one, you know, thing you should be worried about. Because that's what every, that's what's ranking top on everything. Like even when you, want, when you go to Instagram now, they want to push video more than pictures. Yeah. YouTube is all video. TikTok, video. LinkedIn, they have LinkedIn Live now. And what's that really? And again, video. Right? So the common trend here is video. And I know a lot of people are scared, right? They're scared, but you know, like, oh my God, I don't like the way I look. I got news for you. That's the way you look in life. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, don't look at it. Don't watch yourself. Just do it, post it, and don't even look
1: at it. Yeah. So, and people want to see that too. They want to see, they don't want, they don't want to see you all dolled up and, you know, like glamorous. It doesn't need to be perfect. The 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 profiles and the channels that, in my opinion, are, are the highest rated are the most authenticity. So it's like, if you have something that's original, if you can be your original self and portray that online, which I try to do, sometimes like I I try to make it a little bit more professional, but you know, if you can really just express, you know, that you're a real person and you mean well, that goes a long way. And then that's really just with like your, your sales knowledge. If you have that, you know, psychological tactic to go and you know, pretty, pretty much present that to your audience. You know, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a subscriber um, just by someone listening to you. So,
0: yeah, that's true. And and that's the thing. I believe in the authenticity. Like, look, even this is live, right? I don't go record it in advance, then get it edited by someone or edit it myself, then uh, post it. Nah, what you see is what you get. That's really everything. You know what I mean? Like my cover, I'm just going to either, uh, I'm going to take a picture of this and then use that as my cover. that simple yeah don't need this big mega production for uh content right people just the the message is the most important part yeah so i agree agree. now what do you think i mean like like i'm saying this and look i got the fancy mic i mean i have the headphones i got the whole system (laughs) right but the reality is that's not important i think when you start just use this Good enough, yeah. right? It's just to get started. Right? Like as you get bigger and more known and you get more popularity and you start earning more, they can reinvest and get a, and upgrade the equipment. And is I think it, I think out of everything, the
1: sound is more important than the video. I would agree. For my podcast, too, is because we use a very similar thing. I forget the type of uh um mic you have, but it's Kyle. Yeah, I use the same exact thing. And it's, it's nothing too, too crazy. I mean, it is a very quality setup. But like you said, you know, for a podcast, and just for like general branding, I mean, you can use an iPhone the 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 cameras and the the audio that you're able to pick up with this. It's incredible. And if you're able to, again, just have interesting things to say by also teach people interesting things as well, like I said, value and making it you know very interesting to watch, educational. People are always going to tune in, you know. But you need to have something that's very consistent, and you can't go off tangible. But this is something that I I made the mistake on when I had my show because I was I, I was influenced so much by Joe Rogan, and I was wanting to talk about all these different things. And it was almost like you know people were joining when I was talking about investing, and then the next show I'm talking about like sports or something, and it's like. It didn't necessarily correlate. And then when I found the niche of just overall lifestyle, as broad as that is, that's what people want to talk about, at least the audience that I was garnering. So once you push that niche and you get consistent with the type of um, audience that you know people are actually listening you to hear from, that's ultimately you know where you need to uh, stride down. And if you have that every single time, you can't go wrong. I mean, you really can't.
0: No, I agree with you. And and that's what it comes down to. Like it's really this is kind of simple. I think we just make it complicated. Yeah. And and even going to podcasts. Like look, I think podcasts is up and coming. And what I mean by that, I mean the audio, right? Like look at Alexa, Google, whatever, you know, like Siri has things, right? Like like everybody's coming out with all these audio devices. And my car my car talks to me you text me and i say i'm driving people assume oh i got the phone i'm picking up and doing that no my car is talking to me and it's reading your text to me and i'm just talking back to the car like i think that's our future i think we're just getting a sample of what's to come but where i'm going with this is if you're too scared to start video immediately start a podcast get used to talking I mean, audio is the future anyway, so you're going to be a little futuristic. Then you can come back and add video when you're ready. Just a thought.
1: Yeah. Baby steps, man. Baby steps. And like I said, not everybody you don't want to jump into the deep end of the pool because, you know, first of all, if it's day one, you don't want to do that because you're going to get eaten alive. And quite frankly, you're not going to be good. I wasn't good when I just started. I, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, easy podcast. But it's the tonality in which you talk. It's slowing things down, making sure that, you know, you provide value and it's just that there's a, a system to it. And if you can follow that system, you're going to be good. But I totally agree. I think that, you know, just starting off doing audio and then if you could transform into video and then your creative mind really gets to, you know, have all these kind of different tangents that you want to talk about. And it gets exciting. You bring guests on as well. And then you upgrade this and that, then you start to build a pretty successful show. And, um, you know, it's going to take a lot of work, but you'll definitely get there.
0: Absolutely. And, that, and that's consistency is the key part there and the more you do it the more often you do it as long like you're better off to do it even once every two weeks is if it's every two weeks and without skipping a beat doesn't matter if you do it every day every week whatever it is choose your timeline promote your timeline and never miss a day because people start liking what you have to say they start following you and they know if every second wednesday you're on they're going to tune in they're going to be there but the minute you're on and off, you're going to lose your audience. Yeah. And, and look, it, it, like what's been happening to me lately is I've been doing this consistently for a while. I mean, look, I'm on episode 64, right? Like, and that's just podcast. If you include my content, I'm well over 100. You know what I mean? Like, because I have uh, different kinds of shows, right? So I have uh, another one I call Minute Mondays, which is like, you know, quotes and inspiration, which I do every Monday, a minute Monday. And I've done 25 episodes there. So that's 25 weeks of consistency on Mondays. Bi-weekly, I'm I'm doing my Q&A, right? Where I answer questions about real estate that people send. So, but I didn't start off like that. I started off doing my one show, right? I started once a month. Then it went from once a month to once a week. But that comes in time. Like you have to start somewhere And, and it's okay to add. You just can't take away. Yeah. So you got to start somewhere. And now look what happens now. I go, I, I, I like twice this has happened. And um, twice in the last week, I mean, not just overall. I was at, um, once I was at a coffee shop, Tim Hortons, which is, I don't know if you guys have Tim Hortons there, and I don't think you do. Um, but it's it's like a, it's almost like, it's like a Starbucks, but a little bit different. I think it's R.
1: Saxby's. That's a good way to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. It's one of those things. So I was there, and I was just sitting down, and I look up. Somebody I was walking over, and they asked me if I was working with Royal Page Signature. Now this happened to be another agent, but the point is, I got recognized. Right now, I happen to follow the person on Facebook, or and they follow me, etc. But the point is, the content makes you stand out, so they recognize you when they see you in person. We could be following each other, but if we don't communicate, what are the odds I'm going to remember you a year later? And vice versa. But if you're constantly producing content, you're constantly in front of people. So when you bump into them, you're like, hey, I know you. Right? And then again, happened to me a couple of days ago. Again, I was in another coffee shop. This one's a local coffee shop where I live. It's called um, Station One. And I like to go there frequently a lot. I usually go there with my laptop or iPad and do my work there while I'm having lunch or something. And um, somebody walked by, saw me, recognized me, said, hey, I, I recognize you. I've I, I seen you somewhere. I've seen you on the internet. Sat down, had a conversation. But the point is, all this stemmed from consistent content. Go to the grocery store. People bump into me. Call me by name. I know we haven't met, but they know my name. Wouldn't happen if you were not consistent.
1: That's something that I found to be the best. I don't want to say the the most um, important factor to success, but it's something that I, I've seen is consistency is going to win a good majority of the time. Like you have talent, right? Like you need you know have a certain amount of talent, hard work, which is probably it's definitely out there. But being consistent, like saying okay and this is a great example you know we're talking about mcgregor earlier right or i think i was talking about my one buddy who um mcgregor threw a first pitch yesterday at rim field it was awful went to the stands it was probably one of the first pitches of all time right but for connor he's made you know millions of dollars selling whiskey fighting etc And what happened when he fought Poirier twice, right? He lost. Now I don't want to count the last fight of loss because he broke his ankle. It really should be a doctor stoppage, but I don't want to, you know, let's not flirt with technicalities here. Um, the big thing was he wasn't training, right? He wasn't consistent. The reason Poirier won is because he was in the gym, 6 AM, three times a day, eating right, sleeping well, recovering. And over time that is what is needed to be successful. You know, you can do it. And um, I mean, we've seen this before because I'm a big fight fan, an avid fight fan. I train myself. So to have all these different types of athletes and fighters um, from a visual perspective, like on social media, they're training. You see that in the ring pretty evidently. You know, if you can tell pretty quickly if someone's been taking it seriously with their conditioning, with their mindset, and you can see where someone's, you know, they're taking a couple of breaks, you know, they're not training, they maybe, you know, skip a couple of sessions here and there. And that adds up because if your mindset is, okay, I want to be a champion one day, you know, you need to reverse engineer that. And that's countless hours of training. And that's the same thing for us as entrepreneurs, you know, for you selling real estate, the buyers and sellers, it's like, you need to practice this on a daily basis for me, I need to be able to execute, you know, how am I going to create a virtual tour for this retirement community? And get them X more percent of of revenue in a given period of time. What's the reverse engineer of that? So to be able to do this on a consistent basis, you need to train. You need to hone your craft. That's why, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing of being a master of craft. It's so impactful, man, because if you have that level of, of consistency and you bank those amount of hours, you're untouchable because no one can say anything to you. You know, you know the industry like the back of your hand. so, if someone comes to you and challenges you on your, you know, belief, you can quickly say, "No, this is how it is. You're wrong, and this is why." And or maybe they're, you know, at twenty or, or thirty thousand hours, and they're like, okay, you know, a little bit more than me. This is okay. That's what is is lost, I think, in today's society. Everybody wants to skip the hard work. Everyone wants to skip the years of being a master, right? They think, okay, I'm a little successful here. Now I'm going to perpetuate it on social media thinking I know everything. And it's just not the its not the case. It's not the truth at all. You're absolutely right. See, i this is the thing
0: I like to say. say. When people do something, they want to become like Instagram. And I always say Instagram stands for instant gratification. Yeah. Right? So, so true. <laughs> it's when they don't, you know, like, and when they don't get something instant, it's like, hey, I posted, I only got four likes or, yeah, or but... only 20 people like me. And I got 10,000 followers. How did only 20 people like it? oh it must be bad your emotions should not be tied into some little app that's on a little device on the phone that are when you're showcasing to a bunch of people that you don't know that don't know you that don't care about you and then you don't care about them clearly because you don't know them the idea of this is uh, social media the whole point of it was to create a platform so you can get to know people, you can networking, but that's not the way it's being used. People post on Instagram and they create their validation based on likes and shares, which is yeah. kind of sad. But yeah, yeah so it, it's that, and that's the thing. It goes back to what we we're just saying. Everything's about consistency. It's a building, and I like what you said. You get to your end zone first, and you and you and you work your way back. So this way, you got your path. You know where you're gonna get there, and it's not a straight line. It's gonna curve things are going to happen in life. Life isn't about avoiding problems. Life is about being prepared. So when the problems come, you know how to pivot around it.
1: Yeah. Having that stay ready mentality. It's, it's so true. That's why I almost like, for instance, the first tenant I ever had, John was that tenant I evicted. Right now I had two thought processes. I could have either been really mad, which I was, but I could have like, really condemned myself and just, you know, Sean, you're a moron, but I could have said, Whoa, let's learn from this. Take it almost as a blessing that this this happened. Now you have the experience of actually getting rid of a tenant. Like, and here's the thing, which is very interesting, which not a lot of people know, but I was going to take this tenant to court. I was potentially going to be getting, you know, this huge settlement and we were able to settle it out of court. He's already gone. And it's a very cordial relationship now. So, I almost look at that as a blessing. So to callous your mind and do hard stuff is very, very important on a daily basis. Because if you can do them on a daily basis, then when some real, you know, ish happens that you're like, listen, you know, the, like a, God forbid a family member gets sick or there's an injury, you know, one of your directors is, is hurt and you have to step in and you're going to be dealing with like, you know, a couple of sleepless nights. These are the times that are very, very um you know, trying in your life and it goes back to athletics, you know, cause it's, it's very similar to mentally. If you're, you know, going to run a marathon, you need to reverse engineer that. Cause if you start out running a marathon and it's day one, of you running, dude, it, it, you're going to barely finish it. it. If you are going to finish or you might just tap out and you'd be like, you know what, I'm out of here. So if you can condition your mind, you say, okay, we've worked up to this level of stress when we're used to it and we can conquer it. We eat this for breakfast. Same thing as a, as a marathon. I've run in five, 10 miles a day. Like Cameron Hayne does. You know, I eat that up. That's nothing. You're going to be ready for that. So staying prepared and having that mentality of, you know, we're always ready. We're always ready to go, go, go. It's very important. Um, and that's something that I think I, I wish I, you know, I pulled back on a little bit because it's like, you know, I, and not something I don't like go and have fun and, you know, go to the parties and stuff like this, but it's something that I think that for me, I get a little too crazy on. It's like, oh, I want to be prepared. Like just have this like almost like warrior mentality. It's like just. Relax a little bit, dude. Like, you're not going to fight battle. You're not, you know, you're you're not brave, Art. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Like, But the thing is, you have an objective, and you want to go for it, and you're willing to do whatever it takes. Your priority is achieving that goal, not going to drink six beers on a Friday night. You know what I mean? Like, when somebody says, oh, it's Friday, well, what does that mean? Right? Like, reality is, if you're searching achieve your goals and you have an agenda in life and you want to accomplish things you want to experience things every day is a Friday every day is a Monday it doesn't matter what day it is because you have a goal and you're going out to get there because if you're passionate about it that's what you're after it doesn't matter what day it is you know like and I will say every day is Friday to me and I actually came from my dad one time right I, I think it was pretty sure he said something to me he goes um I think the line came along the line is if every day is Friday, then how do you know whether you're working or not? Because you always yeah. used to say, you know, you retired before you started. Right. So and that's how that came out. Cause you used to make, and I, and I know every day is Friday. Well, why? Because, um, on a Friday could be a, a holiday because a long weekends, a Friday could be a work day. And because I was so unpredictable because I was chasing goals, you don't know which one it is. And that applied to every day. <laughs> right. So, yeah. and, and that's the thing, right? Like, You don't live life where you're miserable for five days, so you can be happy for two days. Yep. Right. There's something fundamentally wrong with that formula to me.
1: I agree. I think that it's so empowering what you just said, and that's like I, I was like very inspired by what you just said because every day, it doesn't matter what day it is. It really doesn't matter. We have that condition to think, oh, Monday. You know, Tuesday, getting back into the swing of it. Friday, you know, we take off. But if you have a dream, if you have a passion, you're at it every single day. And then you conquer that, you go into the next thing, build, build, build. So like one of my buddies, I love him to death, but he's like, oh, we should have like a four hour work week. So the weekend's a little earlier. Why? So you can drink a little bit more. Like, does that generally make you happy? Drinking all the time? Going like, to me, that's not like, to me, what and what, what sounds like for you and a lot of other people that generally get it what makes us genuinely happy is the pursuit of that dream. It's, it's ultimately getting to that. But the pursuit of it and the journey, as they say, that's the thing that makes us really happy. It's obviously, we're going to hit that destination. It's going to be great and glorious. But the journey is, is one of the most important things, if not the most uh, important thing that you know, genuinely gives you joy.
0: Absolutely. And that's exactly it. So, But I want to be respectful of your time because we've been here for an hour and I don't want to take up your whole day. Although, to be honest, I could probably talk to you all day. Um, (laughs) So what would be your one tip or advice to anybody who's looking to get into entrepreneurship and, you know, they're just tired of the grind. They want to do something different. They want to follow their passion, but rather than following their passion through somebody else, they want to build their own business. What would you advise them?
1: I would think it's a three step process. The first thing is to turn off all these external factors, Instagram, social media technology, just take a couple hours, maybe even a couple days, maybe even a couple weeks to kind of look intrinsically and say, what do I love to do? Is it helping people? Is it building things? Is it selling things? What is it? Once you can find that passion, that's step number one. Step number two is planning out a vision of like a storyboard almost like i love the quote that rogan has of like you be the hero and the movie star of your own movie it's so so important and then once you have that plan step three is to actually go and execute right and you know you could be like like you and i are no smarter than, than, than the average person it's just that we had a goal we want to go and attack it and we have a plan to reverse engineer and that's really what it is you know the the People that are the most successful in this world are action takers, and they execute. They're not, you know, like the Stephen Hawkins of the world. And here's the thing, like, too, like uh, my my whole five cents, or you know, sense about uh, two cents about like universities and colleges. It's all based on theory for the most part. Like, they're not actually going out in the, the physical world and doing this. They're just preaching and preaching and preaching it. So that's why I say, you know, even though I'm a college grad, you don't necessarily need college. You know, so like my little brother, he's you know very very su- successful in his own right. And I love him to death. I'm, I can't even t- express for, for words how proud I am of a big brother, but he um, has been crushing and he doesn't have a college degree you don't need to. So that's a three-step process. I would say to getting started, don't be scared, just get after it, find what you love to do, reverse engineer a plan and start executing it.
0: Fantastic. Now I'm going to put uh, all your information at the bottom, but for those listening, where could they go to, you know, find you?
1: yeah so very very simple all you want to do is go to seanboyle.com that is s e-a-n-b-o-y-l-e.com seanboyle.com check out all my stuff you could, you know i have my number over there i got my email send me you know whatever you want whether it's some hate love let's talk (laughs) let's uh let's communicate and um yeah we'll see what we can do together
0: fantastic i love that some hate love there (laughs) yeah so oh I, i i used to get the trolls all the time um i remember one time i got um i got someone who uh who wrote a comment on one of, on one of my ads to be honest it was i was using uh, the ad manager in facebook yeah. and i guess he didn't recognize that it was an ad and he put a comment on it so i got alerted and i was like hey egghead you know stop showing up on my feed i don't want to see your stuff so i'm sitting there going like the guy doesn't even know it's an ad yeah i'm like wow Right so I just replied politely and I said thank you for letting me know that my ads are working I
1: don't <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I, said, I love
0: it as honestly and I said um but if you don't want to see me you know just hit the three buttons at the top corner and then should, uh, you know just hit uh, hide the post from this guy or something like that right like I forgot I, I read I was reading it while I wrote it. I put it in the comments and I said just you know, click there and you can unfollow me or hide me. So I I never show up. Right. Um, All of a sudden about three hours after that, the post was gone. He deleted it. I guess he didn't like my answer. Yeah. So, and that's okay. I mean, it didn't bother me. I just tell him how to not follow me anymore, (laughs) (laughs) but it was just hilarious, right? Like you're going to get that. And to be honest, that's a compliment. The more people that are, it's not an attack on you what it is, is that people are insecure with their own stuff. They see something and because it's something they wouldn't do, they're agitated because they wouldn't do it. So they make a smug remark and that's okay, right? Like, I mean, we all have our own issues and we all have to deal with them in our own way. We're not here to please everybody. We're here to get to educate or to talk to the people who relate to us. So, So, Sean, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. And it was amazing. It was fun. So, um, yeah, let's uh, l- let's keep in touch for sure.
1: Awesome, John. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day, man. You as well.